Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, good evening. You doing good? Uh, Did I see... Oh, happy day happening at her conference? Like it's still alive? It's awesome. Way to go. Good for you to get that chance. You know what, Robbie? One thing I'll say about you. I don't know what everyone else says about me, but one thing I'll say. Robbie's never afraid to play happy day for the moment. There's a few other worship leaders on our team and staff that will not play that song even if you pay them. But Robbie always does. And I'm thankful for you, Robbie. So thanks. Shout out to Robbie. Love you. Good job. Come on, give him some love. Good for you. Good for you, Roberto. Josh, hello. Anyways, um, no, I'm just teasing, sort of. Um, we're, we're in a series called Acts, and we're, we're really honestly walking through the whole book as best we can. Um, obviously, we could take, it could take a year. It's not going to take that long, but we're going to do it in the summer. Last week, we, we went through Acts 1 and 2, which was a lot to cover, but it was, it was Pentecost Sunday. We were looking at the moment in the upper room and, and Peter's sermon and all these moments of what Pentecost is. And right now, we kind of come into, I think, a significant moment because Peter and John are kind of feeling empowered. The, disciples, the apostles are feeling empowered by the Holy Spirit. They've had this moment with the Holy Spirit that they can't fully comprehend. Like, it's so, it's incredible. Because you have to imagine the disciples. They've gone from being beside Jesus and having a moment with him, and now they are not beside Jesus, but they feel really close to him still. And so for that, like, for us, it's, it's, it's what we know. Like, we've, we've felt the Holy Spirit in our life, whatever it may be. Maybe we've felt promptings or convictions. So that feeling is, is familiar, familiar. But for them, they went from face-to-face with their rabbi with their best friend who taught them and and helped them and loved them. And now they are not with him, and yet they still feel this closeness, this intimacy, this love. And so it's probably very unique, but they're feeling in power. It's it's a closeness, but in a different way for them. And so they're headed out on mission. And I want to remind you of a verse. This is kind of our verse for this whole kind of part one of Acts, because there's three parts that we're going to walk through. Um, I I actually might have forgotten to bring this to the team, but it's, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is this powerful moment that is spoken over them, and, and I love that so much. And now they're kind of headed into that. You will, you will, the Bible says, be my witnesses. And I want, there's something really powerful about this, you guys. I think the gospel sometimes for us becomes very me-focused in what I get and how Jesus died for me and now I can have a nice life and I can live and have eternity with him. But do not forget that the gospel is outward-focused, meaning that we are called to live missionally wherever we are, to be witnesses wherever we are. And I think that's a hard one for us because we know that's what we're supposed to do, but we don't know how to do it. And I think I want to just remind you that this is not like a if-you-want-to moment. You will be my witnesses. 
how that happens in your context and where you're at, whether you live here or in different parts of the world, whether you like at school or at work, I think how is a really meaningful conversation and we should have that conversation. How does it look to, to be an evangelist in, in today's culture in you know, grade 12, if that's where you're at, or at first year university, whatever it is. But it's not, how is a good question? And we can talk about that another time, but you will is what it says. And so now we're gonna be in Acts 3, Moving forward, that's just some, backward, some back context. Moving ahead, we're in Acts 3. Peter and John, they're being walked into the temple. They have this interaction with someone. But before we get there, I want to share a bit of a story. I, I don't know what it is about me, but I feel like conversations never go the way I want them to go. You know? Like what I expect is going to happen in a moment doesn't happen in the moment. Anyone else like that? Where you're like, yeah, it's just like it always, this is a kind of random, but I just, I was even thinking about this. Like this weekend, I had all the kids with me. My wife was here at her conference. And so I was babysitting, just kidding. It's called being a dad. Um, and tough crowd. Okay, so I was driving with all three of the kids and we were headed to do, we were going to the park and we we're going to ice cream because dad's in charge. And, uh, and so we're rolling. And right now my son, Bo, loves the song Thunderstruck by ACDC. Like, that's all he wants to listen to. Doesn't matter. No, it's no joke. He wakes up at 7.30 in the morning. Dad, thunder, thunder, dad. Can we listen to thunder? I'm like, no, it's 7.30 in the morning. On the way to school, like, wherever we are, he wants, thank, we went to the Mario Brothers movie. The song played for like 14 seconds and now he can't get out of his head. It's all we listen to. And so we we're blasting it, just full, like windows down, the loudest song you've ever heard. He's just losing his mind. He's like screaming out of the window, having the time of his life. And I, I'm like, I think I'm crushing it as a dad. Like he's having a good time. Meanwhile, I'm like hand feeding LJ a pouch in this moment while driving the car, helping like, I am just, you know, being dad of the year over here. And this car passes me and he's like, this guy's pointing at me. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm awesome. Like, I literally thought he was kind of like looking at me and smiling and like kind of giving me like, no, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, right on, man. <laughs> like, ACDC, right? Like, so good. And so we're, we're driving and we're going and we kind of stop and start. And he keeps pointing at me and I keep feeling like he's just like, I know, like, I am a great dad. Thank you. Like, that's how I, I don't know why it just got to my head that he thought I was, I'm like, I, I think he thinks, I hope, my, I hope I can be that type of dad one day for my kids, you know? And he was like, I don't know, like maybe five or six years, like still millennial Gen Z in that area. And then finally we come to a red light and he's right beside me. And I rolled and my window's down and I finally turned down the music because he's like, no, no. And he's like, dude, your light's on. And just our interior light was on. And I was like, yeah, but look how awesome I am. Like, we're, like I thought he was going to be like, dude, you're awesome. That's a great song. He had all his camping gear. And literally he starts to talk to me about how your light's on and that can really drain the battery. You shouldn't leave your lights on. That could be really bad for your car. It's bad for the environment. And I was like, okay, window up. I don't need to hear climate change. Like, that's what I thought. I was getting a sermon over here. I'm not, uh, relax. I just, I thought I was going to get like a, you're awesome. And I didn't. I got your lights on. You know what I mean? Like just not the conversation I thought I was headed into. Not the interaction I thought I was about to have. Not the moment that I expected. And when I read this story, I instantly think of all the moments that I had like this. Because this moment, I think we have read this story again and again. I think preachers have preached Acts 3, one verse, like verses 1 through 10 so many times that this just feels like this should be an everyday interaction. This conversation is, is wild to me. This conversation is like, this doesn't happen. This interaction is so different than anything I've ever seen, honestly, ever seen. And it makes me want to have a greater faith. It really does. So let's read it together. It says this, one day, 
Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. So they'd missed the time of sacrifice, it looks like, but they were going to the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he, entered, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as, John, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention and expected to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled wonder and amazement at what had just happened to him. So again, I feel like we've really romanticized this story. We've, and it's, it is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's faith-filled. I'm, I'm in awe of, of Peter and John and their, their faith to just give this man what he needs. But I think of this man's story, and again, thinking about it, he's lifted every day. He's moved from his bed to, to a place to beg. He's just placed there from his home to this corner asking for money. He, and now he really wants help, material help, truly. Like he's probably, I'm assuming he's asking for money because Peter mentions it. Just something to help him in a practical way, right? To, to, to get some food or whatever it may be. And I think in our sort of Western Christian mindset, we have, we have such a justice mindset, especially this generation, which I think is amazing. It's a good thing. I'm not, not picking at it. I think it's awesome. We want to help. We want to do what's right. We want to support those beside us, the, the marginalized. We want to help those who have the least of those, if you will. We want to donate to this cause. We want to post on this, this photo. We want to rally behind this cause, whatever it may be. We want to help people the way they want to be helped. That is not what I see happening here. They didn't flip him a few dollars. They didn't give him what he asked in that moment. They literally were like, look at me. First of all, I've never started a conversation that way. And it go well. <laughs> look at me. Anyway, so I like look at me. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just like this really intense, like right here, buckaroo. That's what I. That's what a dad would have said. Right here, eyes. Like that's not a normal way to start a conversation. I don't have anything that you need. Okay, then move along. Like see ya. Right. I have something more important though, friends. The Holy Spirit does the work you don't know you need. And I think in our mindset, we feel like, well, I only should help them the way that people want to be helped. That's the kind thing to do. That's the right thing to do. That's the posture I should have. And I'm thinking, sometimes I think we're blinded by our own hurt. We're blinded by our pain and our heartache. We, we're blinded by suffering. The Holy Spirit isn't blind. The Holy Spirit, he, he is very aware of the Holy Spirit of what we need, not just what we want. And so before you jump to help in a cause or a person, before you jump to this post or this trend or whatever it is, I wonder if we would take a moment to wait for the Holy Spirit's prompting to actually see what it is he wants us to do in the moment. Because again, I think we run to help people the way they may want to be helped. And I think that's noble. We're trying to be careful and empathetic. I'm not suggesting that's like a horrible idea. But I think it's a little bit, the Christian narrative here is a little bit different. 
If you are a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, that you really believe that many answers are solved by Christ, that he is the thing we need, that the problem is often a sin issue, not just a justice issue. And so our answer should actually look a little bit different than just, well, how can I help you with what you need today? I just need you to listen. Okay, let's listen. But then also, what about the answer? What about the Holy Spirit? What do we make room for that? I think I'm really quick to jump to help people in ways that are easy for me, in ways that are comfortable for me. I'll happily give someone who, like some of our unhoused community a few bucks. I'll often, sometimes I've gone in and bought meals and brought it out. And I just wonder if that's been the easy thing for me, honestly, the material thing for me, rather than sitting and having a hard conversation about more than just this, the, the momentary need. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing. I'm saying that there's a greater picture here. You understand what I'm trying to say? And I think that's what Peter and John recognize. It's like, I know what you think you need, but the Holy Spirit is actually who you need. You, you're looking for something and I'm gonna tell you about someone. Like it's very different. Like Peter looked straight at him as John did. Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting something. And again, so the beautiful gate is actually, it is a, literally a beautiful gate. Many, many commentaries I read this week talked about how it's this beautiful gate actually in gold and silver. And that's, many people believe that's why he actually kind of said, like, that's why he mentioned, I don't have gold and silver. You're looking for money. You're sitting under this, this lavish, lovely archway, whatever it is, this, this gate. I don't have what you're looking for. I have the thing you actually need. I have the thing you really are looking for. You don't need just this one thing. You need someone. And I, I think there's a moment of faith here. And it's interesting. It said he jumped to his feet. He begins to walk. And he starts praising God. And here's what, again, again, a really interesting point about this, these first kind of 10 verses. They recognize, recognize him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Notice that the miracle piqued people's interests, but it didn't convince people to follow Jesus. And this, again, I look at this and I think, man, I have a lot of conversations, lots of long conversations with y'all. And, and there's moments where I hear you ask questions like, well, how come, how come Jesus didn't heal me? Or how, how is it that the Bible's infallible? What, is that, what does that even mean? Or how is it that God created the earth in seven days? Come on, you, you're really gonna tell me you believe in that? Hocus pocus, pastor. How is it that, fill in the blank, how, how, how? And I think, I think there is this, um, almost this feeling that if we just understood how, then we would, be, we would believe. And right here, they just saw a man who every single day from birth to begging, every single day was carried from one spot to another, healed. A lame man, made, like walking, and it didn't do anything. It piqued the interest. It created curiosity. But it didn't bring a whole bunch of people over to Jesus. We are so obsessed with how that I think we often are forgetting about why. Why would Jesus heal or not heal? That's an interesting question. Not even like, this is, again, this is something... We are so concerned with how something happens and what is going on that we forget to stop and actually just ask ourselves, like, why? Like, first century Jews didn't care how God created the world. They wanted to know why he did. It's very different. 
Why, why un- unpacks purpose? Why unpacks meaning? Why unpacks like depth of, of right and wrong and emotions and morality? All these pieces. How is just the system and the science behind something? And we're so interested with how because we think how will be the answer to our problem. How will give us the faith to believe? And I'm telling you, that's not the answer. You can look through this whole Bible. Pharisees, John 6, you can read about it. People were constantly saying, Jesus, just give me a sign. And he's saying, it won't, it won't matter. Signs? You want signs? He's been doing ministry for years and, and healing people and preaching, and it meant nothing. I think maybe there might be someone in here tonight who's been continually asking for a sign, and I want to share with you that I don't know if that sign is going to convince you. Because what you don't need is another sign. You think you might, but it's actually not what, what, what's happening here. What actually changed this man's perspective, what actually changed other people's perspectives, even after Acts 1, was the sermon, was the conviction, was the understanding, I need something greater than myself. And until we understand why and unpack the deeper, I think we, we get caught up in the how, and we just stay curious. It never, it never leads to anything deeper, like conviction and the challenging of our motives in our heart. I don't want to be someone who just lived and asked questions about how. I don't want to be someone who just lived and said, was just curious about faith. That was my journey, you guys. I remember sitting, again, in the library, first year of university, and saying, you know what? Taking a, kind of a semester, looking and taking philosophy classes, and being like, you know what? I need to get to the bottom of this. I can't just sit here and ask and be curious and think about, I need to know why. I need to know the deep. I need to know who is Jesus. What does this really mean? And so I would just be late for class and I'd sit there and I'd just unpack and I'd listen to different things and sermons and, and different pieces from all sorts of like philosophy and theology and try and understand it all. And I feel like Jesus really answers the why really well. And so for those who are continuing to ask for a sign, I get it, I've been there, but I'm telling you right now, the sign will leave you like left wanting more. And Jesus is saying, I wanna, I wanna unpack why, I wanna do the deeper work. And actually Peter says that too, because again, we think if we would just see the miracle, then we would believe. But Peter knows that's not even the case because all these people are just standing there looking amazing. And then, again, this is where sermons often stop with Acts 3. We love 3, 1 through 10. You go search sermons on Acts 3, you will find a ton on 1 through 10 and nothing on the next chunk. Because this is what Peter says. This is his next bit of words here. He goes like this. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and then came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this even surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this this man walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one. So he's elevating Jesus there with his words and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We were witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. That is just a gut-wrenching sermon like an absolute like hard-hitting moment. He puts this whole thing into perspective, doesn't he? We went from this like really beautiful encounter, right? Healing the lame man, awesome, beautiful, kind of intense if you ask me, the actual conversation when we get down to the nitty-gritty of it. And now we're moving into, you're all murderers. Like that's, did you not just 
really tough crowd tonight, hey? Just that warm in here or what? Like, that's nuts. That's crazy. He just literally called them all murderers. Like, he's just like, in other words, like, he really does, like, he, he pulls them. He doesn't pull his punches here. He really, like, guys, Peter is so full of faith right now. He's just like, doesn't care what anyone else thinks. He's just so listening to the Holy Spirit, trying to help people see the real picture here. Saying, yes, this is awesome. Yes, this is wonderful, but you knew this. You have seen this for years. You saw Jesus walk. Like, this, this shouldn't be news to you. Why are you so surprised? We've, this has been coming for years. Like, he's, he's, I almost sense like some frustration in him. He's like, you, you forget about all that has happened. We saw the cross. You know what he did. He's trying to help them see this in perspective. He said, you, hand, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, even though Pilate was going to let him go. Peter's not backing down. And I read that, and I'm like, fair enough. Like, he's right. I look at this, and I, I think sometimes, and I know I do this too, we forget the weight of the cross. I love that we did communion tonight to remember. And again, I'm not trying to get super intense in here. It's like, I get it. I'm just, we forget the weightiness of sin. We did a series about this a while back. And I don't, I don't like saying it any more than the next person, but let's not pretend that it wasn't our sin Jesus bore. Let's not pretend that it wasn't our pain that he took. Let's not forget that he died for you and for me, for our mistakes, for our iniquity, for my iniquity, for what I have done. I never forget this time. I was at Christmas dinner with Trina's family and I was having a conversation with other relatives who's not a Christian. And, and I don't, it was like one of those things where like, I was trying really hard not to like, you know, Christmas, you don't talk politics, you don't talk religion. What's the other one? I don't know, climate change, whatever. Like you don't talk those things, right? Like you just, whatever, you don't, you don't. It's like, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful weather we're having. Well, sort of, if you, no, I'm just kidding. Like you just, you, you, you keep to your lane and I just, I stick to my lane. I eat my food and we do our thing. And, and I'll never forget, um, someone brought up something because I was like, oh, I can't be there actually. I'll be at Christmas Eve service. And it was like, oh, oh, oh the pastor or something like that. And it was always like, hmm, hmm, yes, that's what I do. And, and we somehow get in this conversation and we somehow talking about sin and we're talking about Genesis and all these moments, you guys. And, and I'll never forget this one relative was like, well, I didn't bite the apple. I'll never forget this moment. He's referring to the moment where Eve took the fruit. It doesn't say apple. It took the fruit and bit into it and the fall happens and, and knowledge becomes a, a real thing for Adam and Eve. And I didn't bite the apple. I'll never forget this moment. I didn't sin. And then another cousin, like, they're like, I'm not Jewish. It wasn't my fault this all happened. And honestly, like, they kind of kept saying these, like, funny things and kept being like, it's not me. It wasn't my fault. I didn't nail him to any piece of wood. And I honestly, like, I just shut down. Not in a way, I don't, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I wasn't defeated. I was deflated. I didn't think what they say, were saying had any merit. I wasn't like, wonderful arguments, you eloquent idiots. Like, I wasn't like, brilliant thought. You're not Jewish. Thank you. You've just, you've solved everything. I am now also a staunch atheist. Like, it wasn't, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just remember thinking how, how, how prideful I have to feel like I have done nothing wrong in this world. You understanding what I'm trying to say? Like I just remember thinking, 
I remember driving home actually in a very old broken up truck thinking, Lord, may I never forget it was me who put you on that cross. Truly, that's what I remember thinking. Which again, sounds really intense. I know that, you guys. It's like summertime. You're like, come on, shouldn't this just be like easy acts, miracles, and I can do it too. Because, but here's the thing, and I don't wanna give away my ending. When I look at this story, I don't think I'm Peter or John. Truthfully, as I studied this, I was like, I'm the guy begging. I'm the guy begging for hope and for healing. I'm the guy who doesn't have it all figured out. I'm the guy who's been way too prideful in my life and thought I could just fix everything on my own. And so when I look at sin, I don't look at it as like, as, as the thing that's winning. Because <laughs> when I see sin, I think of my savior. Are you hearing me? When I think of my pain, I think of, of, of the purpose I now have in Jesus. And every time I look at the cross, I remember that my God was stronger. We sang a song tonight. I love what a beautiful name. I really do love that song. Like my sin was great, but your love was greater. That song saying. What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name it is. And I'm reminded in this moment, like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to forget that it was my sin too. But I also want to remember that he was greater, that he was stronger, that he was mightier, that his saving grace was enough to cover not just my sin, but every single person's sin in here and in the world. That's the good news. That it's not that I could figure it out on my own, not that he gives me the strength, but I didn't actually have it in me, but he did. And he saved me regardless. And he loves me regardless. And he's for me regardless. And there is forgiveness for every single person. That's the good news. That's what Peter is saying. He's saying, yes, look at, look at how crazy we were. But guess what? He didn't die on the cross. He actually did rise again. Like, you don't have to just sit in sin. We can actually rejoice that the Savior has actually won it all. That's the gospel. So I'm not saying, like, let's focus on our sin. I'm actually saying the opposite. I'm saying, let's focus on how great our Savior is, but not pretend that sin was nothing. And I love that, that Peter goes here. Say, yes, there is power. Yes, there is miracles. Yes, there is beauty here. But don't forget why. Don't forget why this resurrection, Holy Spirit power is now here. It's because of what Christ has done. You just gotta choose him. I love that part. You see, admitting your sin doesn't mean you have to sit in it. It just, it shows you you need to change. And he actually talks about repentance a lot here. Like in verse 17, I'm, I'm closing now. now. Now, fellow Israelites, I, I know that you act in, in ignorance, excuse me, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he foretold, excuse me, foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would be the one to suffer. So you see how he's, he's talking about the heaviness, but now he's coming towards Christ. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Man, I love, this is good, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. The word repentance, I think, is kind of this scary word for some of us. It just seems, really, again, really heavy. But I, this, the word repentance, at least in this nature, doesn't describe sorry. It actually just describes us. It's the act of turning around. That's the word that, that Peter is using here. He used it in chapter two as well. He, he, he's making repent a word of hope, you guys. Hope. 
that if you would just turn around and see Christ and run to him, if you would just know that you can actually, like by his strength, what he does in us, you can actually be made right with God. He's trying to help us see that repentance, guys, leads to refreshment, not to condemnation. It leads to love. It leads to joy. It leads to hope. And as I reflect and pray and listen, I really do wanna be like Peter and John. I do, I wanna be bold in my faith. I wanna walk up to people and say, listen, I hear what you're saying, let me help you, but I think there's something more here. But we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Josh, I don't know if you wanna join me, but we're gonna get to courage and boldness and faith in this, sermon, in this series. There's lots of that in Acts, don't worry. We're gonna get there. But before we get to bold moments where Paul and Silas are praising God in prison and God breaks them out. Before we get to Peter and John, even actually in the next chapter, facing the Sanhedrin and his legal counsel, being told, if you do not stop, you know. Before we see Stephen in Acts 7, not recounting his faith ever as he's stoned. Before we see the many moments of Paul in Antioch, Rome, different places before we get to the courage and the, I wanna be like the apostles and I wanna see faith arise and I wanna see miracles happen, before we get to any of that, I want us to see what happens here. I want us to understand who we might be in the story a little bit. Because like I already said, I know that I am often just the broken man at the gate begging. Begging, just for a couple or anything to fix the brokenness in my life. And I think we often look for a miracle in the material things. And we stand there begging, waiting for something to help fix the situation. We're really, really lonely. We're really lonely. And so we, maybe we run to a relationship that we know is not gonna lead anywhere, but it's really just to make us feel good in the moment. And in fact, two people can sometimes get hurt that way. We, we run to pornography again and again, because we just, we have a desire and it feels like an okay trade-off, I'm not hurting anyone. We, we run to, I don't know, I don't wanna like start listing a bunch of stuff, but we run to something like, it could be alcohol and friends and just a good time and a hangout because that kind of fills that void of sadness and we have this moment of, of joy or elation and at least it's still feeling empty. Guys, I'm the guy begging. I wanna be Peter, I wanna be John in this story. I wanna be the faithful apostle who's running out to, but I know sometimes I find myself just looking for, for a miracle in the material things and I'm wondering why it's not working out for me. Why my life doesn't feel sorted out. Why things still feel broken. It's because I haven't run to Jesus. I haven't run to the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, you actually know what I need. Notice that this man did not need money. Money was not going to fix his legs at this point. 
If you actually look throughout the Bible, many people who needed healing had tried doctor after doctor and spent every dollar they had. Money was not gonna help in this moment. A full stomach was not gonna help him walk in this moment. A friend, a caring friend in this moment was not gonna have him walk. What he needed was the Holy Spirit to intervene in ways that he never thought possible. You're not alone tonight. You don't need more stuff. And it's not things that are gonna solve all the issues. I just wonder if you'd try the Holy Spirit instead. If you would run to someone for prayer and say, I'm tired of trying to figure this out on my own. I wanna do it differently. And just as one point of story as I wrap up and we're gonna have some prayer time tonight, the team will be ready to receive you if you want prayer. At the start of the year, um, my wife often will pray for like a word or a thought. And I, I hated doing that because I would just get like 15 words and then I didn't know which one to pick. And then I'd pretend like the one that fit the best at the end of the year was my word, you know? And so I, I stopped doing that and I started asking for a verse, one verse for my year, just to kind of continue to come back to. And I got this verse at the start of the year. I think I even brought it up on our January 1st Wednesday and it has continued to, to just ring true. And I think it fits for you tonight. I hope it helps tonight. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Specifically for me, it was verse three. I hold all five because I think, or all three because they, they stay in context together. But for though we live in the world, we do not wage war the way the world does. I do not want to tackle a spiritual issue with a material thing. I do not want to be a part of a generation that continues to tackle spiritual issues just with um, emotional concepts. I do not want to continue to come to a spiritual framework with just my material mind. I want to look at the Holy Spirit. I want to come to Jesus first and foremost and ask him, how would you have me intervene? What prompting would you give me today? How are you want to fill me and use me and show me how to act, how to respond, how to move forward? Lord, I cannot fix this. I can't even step forward into it without you. And so I wait and so I pray and so I ask Holy Spirit that you would come. I'm literally here, Lord, in your house even tonight, just begging but not for things and for stuff, not running to the thing that I think will fix it. I'm just gonna run to you, Holy Spirit. That would be my heart for you tonight. That's what I see out of this picture, to just repent, like Peter says, to turn, to come back to, to, to Christ, to let him do what he does best, to stop trying to figure out all your problems by yourself, because it never ends well. I don't feel like it ever does. Let me pray with you tonight, Coastline Church. Holy Spirit, tonight we ask that you would come in a mighty way. Lord, I pray for the person who is really battling right now. I don't know every battle, but you do, Lord. I don't know every struggle, but you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, I ask that every man and woman in here would feel so empowered, so strengthened by your grace and mercy. God, tonight I pray for the person who has continually hit a wall, continually tries to fix the spiritual piece of their heart with some sort of emotional or, or physical aid, or material aid, and I pray tonight it stops. We stop kidding ourselves. We'd, start, we'd stop searching for the material thing that cannot fix the spiritual depth that we need, Lord. 
And so Holy Spirit, I pray tonight that the person who needs a filling of the Holy Spirit would receive it. That the person who needs comfort would receive it. That the person who needs healing would receive it. That the person who needs hope would receive that hope from you, Jesus. I pray that every person in here would respond in a way, Lord, that doesn't run to the vice that this world offers to temporarily fix whatever it is that they're walking through, but will run to the person, to the cross that eternally refreshes and heals their soul. That is my prayer, God, that we would be that church, those people, that ind those individuals, that generation that stops trying to fix things like we used to and starts recognizing the one person who can actually fix. Jesus, I pray tonight that you would do a mighty work in us to not sit, to listen and go, but to really be challenged. So Holy Spirit, convict our hearts, challenge us right now where we're at and make us move closer to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.